Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Over the next hour, we'll hear exclusively from the England stand-in captain, Ben Stokes. We'll look back at England's ODI series win over Pakistan and discuss how cricket can cope with the rise in COVID-19 cases. As well as that, we'll round up the domestic action and discuss a huge, huge series win for the West Indies against Australia. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Well, it's appropriate that uh, our excellent producer, Scott Taylor, spent last night at a pub quiz at which his team were defending champions because in a, in a few years' time, Harmy, I reckon that uh, this series against Pakistan and this England team and this England squad will be the subject of a number of questions in pub quizzes. But it's, I mean, there are lots and lots of things that have happened that have been extraordinary in the world of sport. But it's this one is still sinking in. The entire England squad and management, coaching staff, all replaced. And then they go out there and turn Pakistan over. It's crazy, isn't it? It's, it was, we sat here last week thinking how they're going to go. And, and I still, still believe that, you know, even the second string, some of the players that are on the fringe of this this wonderful side that Owen Morgan has has got himself over the course of the last few years has shown that you know they can they, they can beat anybody, but it also shows the manner of where that environment is when you are coming into a winning dressing room, you're coming into a positive fight, you're more or less coming into a a unit a unit that is more or less bulletproof. You're going in and you're feeling invincible as you walk through the door. There seems to be this air of inevitability that you walk into a one-day dressing room with an England shirt on and you're just going to win. And I think that's what Morgan and the coaching staff have, have shown. And I thought, ben, I think Ben Stokes has been magnificent throughout this two, the two, the, this this three ODI series. He's led well. He's led on the front foot, very similar to Morgan. He's made tough decisions. You know, he even took himself off after one over. 
when there was a wicket at the other end. And that shows what, what Ben is. No ego. It's about the team. Um, and it's been brilliant to watch. I didn't for one minute believe that it would be a rollover for Pakistan. Uh, I've been disappointed with them in Pakistan, but I think England have shown that we've got great strength and depth and great quality. And you'll probably remember it better than me, Manners, but it reminds me when just before my time going back to Australia, when it was the touring team played Australia and Australia A in a tri-series. And more often than not, the final was Australia A against Australia. And nine times out of 10, the Australia A team, who were desperate to get into the big side, they'd give them a good game or, or, or even beat them. So... Good signs for England, great signs for England. Some positive young players coming in, wanting to express themselves. All of the top four getting 50s in this series so far. And I think they've been led extremely well by Ben Stokes. Let's hear from uh, from Stokes, who, of course, wasn't due to come back into um, international cricket. He was, uh, he was rushed back. <laughs> he was rushed back 48 hours after... Owen Morgan said that he wouldn't be rushed back. Um, and he's still, I mean, his finger was still heavily strapped. But um, was he surprised at how easy it was to win against Pakistan? I was thinking about this the other day, actually. And when I got sent through the squad, I read through it and I was like, you know, even though this is, you know, a last minute thing, we've still got a seriously strong and talented squad here. And I knew we'd be able to compete against Pakistan. But it'd be a lie to say that I'm surprised with how easily we've managed to do it. But you know, that, I think that's just credit to everyone who's, who's who's managed to turn up here and do that. You know, that's a reflection on the mindset that, you know, England has when it comes to white ball cricket and just the modern day way of playing is just to go out and, and express yourself. Don't worry about the occasion and just be fearless. And, you know, I think that's such a great thing to come out of the series is having, you know, inexperienced, inexperienced guys go out there, perform on the big stage against um, a very experienced Pakistan, Pakistan team. That was Ben Stokes, who captained uh, England, England, England B. I was going to say England <laughs> A, but it's England B uh, to uh, to series win over over Pakistan. Uh, you know what it does also remind me of, Harmi, the way England have played is well, it makes you realise in retrospect how tentative New England players were when they came, when they were brought from their counties into the England team, and you you look back now and you think how. The, so often they played out of character. They were tentative, they were nervous, and and yet these and and, and again, as you were saying, it's an Owen Morgan legacy, isn't it? Um, these guys have have come out and just been told, do what you do for your counties. We've all got our favourite stories. I mean, Philip Salt is uh, is one of my favourite picks, but it is amazing, isn't it? You look how they played against Pakistan, and they've just gone totally fearless. Yeah, I think that's the word, fearless. And I think that comes from the blast. I think the blast has a, a big part to play in that, the way that you, know, you go in. It's not it's not reckless cricket. It is it is calculated, positive, you know, trying to get you know, showcase your your skill set. But I think it's also the amount of the volume of cricket some of these guys are playing overseas. They're not in awe of going into a dressing room with some big names because they're going and playing in the PSL with five or six big names and you're going into some of them are fortunate to go and play in the IPL with some of the biggest names and powerhouses in the world. You know, big bashes and, you know, we've got quite a big contingent, big bash um, and Caribbean Premier League when it was, when it was suited for our times when, when we were allowed to play and we could play in it. And I think that helps going into a dressing room environment where it is, you literally have to hit the ground running and it's, it's instant bang. You've got to go, First ball, you face. You've got to be right on your money. There's no freebies, no 
a little over to get yourself loosened up, you are bang on it. And I think that over the course of the last five, five, six years has helped produce players going into international environments. And I think gone of the day when you walked in three days before your debut, you've got a bag of kit, you've got everything going on, superstars everywhere, television cameras, you know, media people wanting to speak to you. Um, and you be, you could get gobbled up into the emotion, and by the time you hit the ground on the first mo- on the on you know, on the morning of the of the of your debut, then you're thinking you, you, you're tired before you even start, and you muddled muddled brain from that. So I think a lot of these franchise leagues around the world has helped uh, players going and hitting the ground running in different environments. Take a guy like Phil Salt, um, who turns 25 next month. Now he's played for the Adelaide Strikers. Barbados Tridents, Islamabad United. Mm. Um, he's played 100 T20 games. He has a strike rate of 151 in 100 games. He's got 18 50s. I mean, he reaches 50 a fifth of the time that he goes to the crease. It's no wonder that he's a commodity in demand, is it, um, in these other leagues? I mean, that's... And he and he doesn't even feature. I, I Before COVID, I'd never heard the England selectors talking about Philip Salt as a, as a possible... England international. I mean, those are serious credentials, aren't they? They are. They're huge, and it's it's his ability to get them quickly. That's the thing. Uh, I remember a few years ago playing white ball cricket for Durham, and Philip Mustard, the wicketkeeper at Durham, used to he got, he had a few international games, but it, it it was the manner and how he got you off to a start. He always got you off to a start. If he only got twenty, he got twenty and ten balls. You know, if he got ten, he was out in the first over. It seems that Philip Salt is one of these characters that whatever he's going to do, he's going to do it quickly and straight away. You know, the the impetus, the momentum is with you as a team. And I think the good thing about when Salt goes out to bat is that he buys time for your your more cultured players further down the order. So Stokes likes to take a little bit of time to get going. So does Morgan. And I think if if you've had a great start, then all of a sudden you can buy yourself four, five, six balls to get you know, used to where the, the fielders are, the, you know, running the ball around, rotating strike, to then have a go and, and not have to feel as though you're going to have to have sixes from ball one. I, I like, I've liked Philip Stott for, for a little bit now. And you'd, you'd argue, would he have ever played cricket for England if it hadn't been for this COVID, this COVID case? Because when you look at what England have got in resources of one, two, three and four at both 50 over and 20 over competition, it's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking of Philip Salt in England, this is uh, this is what he had to say about playing for England afterwards. I'd love to play for England for, for as long as I possibly can. At the moment, uh, for these three games, it's about taking over every opportunity that I can with both hands. Um, and that's as simple as it gets, really. I'm not going to be looking too far ahead. Obviously, we're the best side in the world. And, and um, you know, it's, it's a tough one to break into. But at the moment, it's just about taking every opportunity I can get. That was Philip Salt um, talking about his uh, England ambitions. And, of course, we must give an, a, another special mention to Saqib Mahmood, who's four wickets in the first game set up the opening overwhelming victory. And he also said that he thrives on a little bit of extra responsibility. You know, speaking to Stokesy, he, he basically just said he wanted me to take the new ball and, and even out there sort of bringing me on when we needed wickets. Um, that sort of stuff, I feel like, as a, for me personally, I thrive off that. Um, and yeah, that's the sort of inkling I got off, off Spoons and, and Stokesy over the last day. And um, I'm glad that I was able to back back that up and yeah, make the most of that responsibility a bit. That was Saqib Mahmood. Um, just a quick word from you, Harmi. Um, 
you know, everybody rose to the occasion. David Malan, Zach Crawley, James Vince, Sakib, as I said. I still can't get over the fact that uh, that they looked like a seasoned England team. They did, and that's testament to the environment you go in. You go into if you go into an environment which is easy going, knows their jobs, knows their roles, understands the game plans. Leadership is huge, and you couldn't get a better leader than what Chris Silver was doing with his team. I'm sure Owen Morgan will be having his say behind the scenes. And like I said before, Ben Stokes has led this team extremely well. Ben Stokes is a character who makes people at ease. And that is very, very difficult because of the, who you are. You know, you, who you are, he reminds me so much of Andrew Flintoff when you're in a dressing room. But people who don't know that character, who don't know that person, who only see the name and possibly the, the TV, you could go into that dressing room if you're a young player in awe and stare at Ben Stokes and go, wow, that's Ben Stokes. But the character in Andrew was the same. The character of Ben makes people feel so comfortable in their surroundings, so comfortable in their environment. And if it wasn't for the fact that we need him to bowl a lot, it wasn't the fact that we need him to bat with such you know, vigour and explosiveness, he'd be a great captain. My, my issue with him being as a captain is that I, I just don't want him to do far, far too much. But this little, this little series has just shown to me that he, he can put things to side. He can, and it'll be different than maybe he's in the Red Bull, but in the White Bull team, he can just go, right, bang, I don't need to bowl here. This guy comes back on. We've got a wicket. He's a, he's a better option than I am at the minute. There you go. Shortly, we'll continue to look back at England's ODI series victory over Pakistan. But now it's time to hear from the England captain, Ben Stokes. He's discussing reaching 100 ODI caps and continuing in uh, Owen Morgan's footsteps. Here he is talking to um, our producer, Talk Sports' very own Scott Taylor. Just start by looking back on Saturday, if I may. A 2-0 series done and dusted. I guess that was the perfect thing you could have imagined for when coming into this sort of bubble this time last week. Yeah, um, you know, to take the series two games in um, is obviously massive credit to the team. You know, with such a, a tight turnaround to, to get a group of players together, um, to be able to put that all to one side and go out and put in those two performances that we've done um, is, is just you know, an incredible achievement, you know, given what's happened. And for you personally, 100 caps on, on Saturday. How special was it that you got to do that occasion in front of a full house at Lords? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a great day to, to receive that cap. Um, you know, doing it at a special place was, you know, I obviously feel very, very lucky to be able to receive it there at Lords. But I think the most important thing about that day was continuing on the the work that we put in after that first ODI, we managed to do that um, and we managed another convincing win. So, you know, albeit great to look back on the end of your career, you know, certain little individual milestones like that. But, um, you know, overall coming away with a win uh, was the most pleasing thing. And I'm not sure if it's the right word to talk about legacy, but we saw when England lost a couple of quick wickets at the top there, maybe in, in times gone by, they would have looked to rebuild. But are we, are we seeing Owen Morgan's legacy on white ball cricket, the fact that, Phil and James came out and, regardless of wickets lost, maintained that positivity? I think so. And that's one thing that I, you know, said when we had a wrap-up this morning was the, one of the most pleasing things was seeing how the, the inexperienced guys in the teams reacted to that sort of tricky period we had in the middle. Um, and that was 
we were only possible to sort of play like that because we were ahead of the game on the back of how Vinci um, and Salty played. You know, sometimes when you look to rebuild, you can sort of fall behind the run rate and get yourself into a bit more of a tricky situation. But, you know, the way that everyone came out there and tried to start their innings in a positive way allowed us to get up to a score that we might not have sort of thought we could have got to. But, you know, that partnership at the top between Salty and Vinci was great. And um, Lewis and Bryden, you know, obviously adding those runs um, were massively crucial to the score that we ended up getting. And just going back to the, the first ODI at the toss where he said, jokingly said there's 11 changes and he couldn't remember half the caps you presented. <laughs> now, like Phil was talking yesterday and saying you've made everyone feel relaxed. Was that at the front of your mind on, on Thursday or on last week on the first ODI at the toss just to keep everyone calm and that tone, you set, sort of set the tone really from that sort of interview really? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, being under Morg's captaincy for such a long period of time now, have an understanding of, you know, what works well in this environment. And I wasn't at all going to try and change Morg's mindset towards how he wants the group to feel, how he wants the group to play. So I was very conscious that I'm just going to try my best to continue that, albeit, you know, Morg's isn't here. We've got a different team. I just wanted to make sure that making everyone feel as comfortable as possible and, and still making sure that sort of letting everyone know that we're going to continue playing the way that Morgs has led us. And, you know, I hope that it's helped in some way to the, to the guys coming in um, and making debuts and taking a bit of nerves and a bit of pressure off their shoulders. So um, I hope it's worked. I don't know if it has, but um, from the results um, that we've had, I'd like to say that it has. And just finally, on the, the football last night, you're a man who's obviously been there yourself losing the major final to then bounce back and become a world champion. What message do you have for Gareth Southgate and the boys? Oh, I think, you know, they'll be absolutely devastated tonight and last night, obviously, no doubt. But what they've managed to achieve, um, you know, over this period of time is, is incredible. You know, the nation has been, you know, completely captured by what they've done on the field. Obviously, everyone in the nation would have loved to see England win. But just watching the games, you know, you feel a real, you know, connection to the team, the way that Gareth led, the way that Gareth speaks. Um, I think he's been phenomenal in everything that he's done. And us as a as a national team, alongside them, you know, albeit different sports, you know, we're just incredibly proud of what they've managed to have done. And, um, you know, they're such a young team full of talent that, um, you know, the sky's the limit for them. They've got so many more years ahead. They've got so many more tournaments to go and, and prove themselves in. But, um, in my eyes and everyone else's eyes in this changing rooms. Um, they're absolute legends already. And that, of course, is Ben Stokes. There was a time, Harmy, when I got the impression he didn't enjoy doing uh, media. I, and that may have been an incorrect um, perception, but, um, gosh, he, he's... Um, he is just so natural and relaxed. And maybe that's the key to it. Maybe, maybe he used to think that that was exactly the problem. You had to do media. But... If you're just yourself and just talk naturally and honestly and openly and, and you know, don't try to hide anything or, or don't try to say the right thing, just be yourself, be natural, then I think he's got it nailed now. Yeah, I think the, the, the issue with it's daunting doing the media. You know, you go into a room with, I don't know, 25, 30 journalists, you sit there, you get bombarded with questions and sometimes as I found it as a young player 
you're worried about getting tripped up. You're worried about saying the right thing. You're worried about what angle that subconsciously you're being told that, that there's an angle in there. Somebody's trying to, to stuff you when they're not, but it's still in your mind when you're sitting there. And I think as you get older as a player and more established, people say, oh, it gets easier. It does get easier, but the realisation that you're working together with the guys that are sitting on that side of the desk. Um, I think the, the penny drops for that. You then get a lot more good lines out of the individual who is, who is talking. And I think Ben's become more than natural at speaking openly and publicly. He's had his troubles where he's had to speak honestly, openly and give his points of view and sides across, which I think in the long run has helped him because it's helping him understand what side of where media is, you know, what is cricket journalists, what is professional journalists, what are there to help the other side of his game where he does commercial deals and he, he has to speak a lot more to camera. I think is is making all this a lot easier for Ben. And I think the responsibility, the one thing Ben's always thrived on is responsibility, always thrived on responsibility. You look at some of the best innings that Ben Stokes has played for England it's when he's possibly had the backs against the wall. You look at Joe Root, throws him the red ball when the game's nearly finished and he has to bowl 16 overs from one end at Cape Town in the heat to try and somehow get him the game, headingly, like two years ago. Whenever Ben's backs against the wall, that's when he's, he seems to be, he seems to thrive more. And I think because of that, and the, the realisation, the understanding of where he's, where he's at in the senior figure as, of English cricket, I think all that responsibility is helping now push Ben to an angle of, well, do we really seriously look at this guy as being our next England captain um, by the way he's conducted himself? I just think it's too much on his plate, but it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if he ear wanted it and two was given it because of because he's a, he's he's such a fantastic human being. It's great to see. Uh... Stokes making a, a, a joke at the toss, wasn't it? I mean, it's you know, it's always tense at times at the beginning of a one-day international. And I've conducted a few tosses in my, myself in my in my time, and it is it can be a very tense time. And he couldn't remember; <laughs> he had so many new players, he couldn't remember them. I think he, I think he would, but I think it was it was right. Let's diffuse everything that has gone on in the last forty-eight hours. The ECB have made a decision to leave this team to one side and bring a new team in. So I thought it was a masterstroke when the, when the, when he got asked and Keezy asked him, was it? And he just said, we've got 11 changes from the last game and we've got five debutants and I can't remember who's playing. <laughs> and that for me is, is brilliant. He knew who was playing. I know for a fact he knew who was playing. He's, but it was just, the, it was asked to say, right, needs must. We'll go out there. And no matter who makes a debut, no matter what the 11 changes are, the crest on your chest is exactly the same. You know, that has got the three lions and this is what is going to happen when, you know, the first ball is bowled. Up till then, we're going to try and try and make sure that, you know, we're thinking about the people that are in isolation, but we've also got a job to do. And I think he, he got the, I thought he got the happy balance brilliant. Yeah, just finally, I mean, we always associate the New Zealanders with um, not... Um, suffering from tall poppy syndrome. Um, you know, if uh, anybody thinks that they're uh, bigger than the team, they soon get brought back down to size. And mm. I mean, we don't naturally associate this brilliant England team 
with that element but you've explained it really really interestingly i mean you know that we we do associate uh, th- th- this england team with superstars and not necessarily with um the badge on your chest uh, everybody being equal all all men are the same yeah and i think i think that sport I think we've we've just come off the back of a of a euros and we've got some impressive young footballers and i think cricket is the same I'm not a big rugby fan, man, and so I don't know too closely about the rugby side, but I'm sure it is the same. But we've got some impressive human beings play a sport for our nation, uh, whether it's social media's helped change that, because there are points where it has been a, has a negative effect. But we've got some great role models, and I think we have in cricket. I look at, I look, I'm proud of our England cricketers. I really am, whether it's Joe Root, Owen Morgan, that leads them from a player's front. I see them signing autographs before COVID stuff. I see them giving time to, to young kids. I see them interacting with people in the street. We have got we have got people that love the game of cricket, can relate to our cricketers. And I think after the Euros and all the, the nonsense that has been come from that, and it's disgusting the stuff that, that these footballers have getting. But I'm proud of our footballers as well because they are they just look engaging human beings who are look as though they feel fortunate that what they've got. And like I said before, I think that comes with the way Ben, like Ben leading the team and bringing people into it and understanding the values of what the cricket team means, but also what it stands for, I think has got better and better because, you know, even my time and before my time, I'm not sure it was anywhere near to the level of where it is now with people being able to relate to, you know, the group that are going out representing the country when they're watching it on TV. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. And next, we'll discuss how cricket can continue to run amid a sharp rise in COVID cases in the United Kingdom. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine 
and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can always listen back to the podcast, now available on the following on feed via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Harmy and I are going to try very hard not to uh, stumble into medical territory. This is a, a discussion on the coronavirus very much from the, the cricketer's um, perspective. Um, and what has been happening. Kent, of course, just recently had to change their their entire squad for the championship game against Sussex after a couple of positive tests. And Essex are not going to be able to defend their uh, county championship title, their Bob Willis trophy title, because of a a couple of positive tests um, in the Derbyshire team um, in that game, which, uh, of course, was cancelled. So... It's it's having a, a massive impact, Harmy. And the irony, and we mentioned this last week, is that the rest of the country and, and much of Europe are got this feeling, probably a little bit premature, that life is returning to normal. So you've got you've got, you've got more and more people allowed to watch the cricket, but life hasn't really changed much for the cricketers. No, it hasn't, and it's it's how you balance that out. I was full of prayers of Tom Harrison and. Ashley Giles last week, rightly so. You know, I know Michael Vaughan and a couple others weren't too happy with taking the whole group out. That might change come Monday the 19th when, you know, Boris is calling it Freedom Day. You don't want to get into the politics of, you know, because it shouldn't mix politics and sport, but he's calling this Freedom Day. So then all of a sudden, are we free? If somebody does go down during a game, is it that person and everybody else is free to carry on playing? Uh, I'm not 100% sure on, and I don't think they're 100% sure on, on what happens with that. You look at the Essex game, you, know, you, you think, well, that's cost Essex. It's cost them, and you look down the road, and you, you know, we're not far away from the signature competition that the ECB have thrown a lot of resources at, and TV companies have thrown resources at, to get the 100 started. And all of a sudden, what happens if 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 somebody goes down in that? And my concern is not about players getting it and teams having to isolate. My concern is a player and what happens to him is long his long term mental and physical well being when he when he does get it. We've got three players in the England side who we know we know who've got it. What's the long-term hurt for them three players going in? And that's the consequences that I'm worried about for, for individuals because all of a sudden you bring somebody back too early and you talk about this long COVID. Are we looking to protect our England stars for the test matches going forward and saying, right, we can't afford them to play in the 100. We can't afford them to play in mass envi- different environments that they're in because we need these 15 players to take on India to prepare ourselves for the ashes, and do we do we lock these guys down? That's the question I want to ask to the powers that be. Is the hundred so that's so important that Ben Stokes, Joe Root, the likes of Josh Butler, and people like that are they so important to the hundred 
which would jeopardize that they come in contact and potentially get the virus, which would take a long-term effect on their body and their physical well-being, which would have an effect on, we know how demanding test match cricket is. It is so demanding, it's ridiculous. And playing five games in seven weeks is going to be tough for anybody. But if somebody gets it, and then the long-term effect of you know, the form off the back of that or not being able to perform um, with the Ashes leading up, I think England might be better off just taking their India squad out and saying, right, we're gonna we're just going to house these, prepare these, and we're going to get them right for for the Test match series because we don't want to take any risks with our with our superstars. It's a devil in a deep blue sea, isn't it? I mean, you know, on the one hand, you take the Test stars out of the hundred, you compromise the hundred. ECB yep. are not going to do that, but if you play them in the hundred and uh, you get some positive cases, which is almost inevitable, then uh, you compromise the the Test series against India. And I don't want to drift too much towards uh, controversy for the for the sake of it, but my feeling is that the ECB at the moment, given the resources you mentioned, you know, hundreds of millions of pounds have been uh, poured into the hundred. It's already cost, because of last year's postponement, it's already cost them millions and millions and millions of pounds. I mean, this is all the chips on one number of the roulette wheel here. The hundred has to work for the ECB. And, uh, you know, there'll be another Test Series against India. I mean, I, I'm weak at the knees with excitement uh, about the Test Series against India. I mean, I think it's going to be absolutely fabulous. But honestly, Harmi, money talks and it's, talk, it, it, you know, uh, we've seen that time and time again across the board. And I think that if, if, it, com- if it comes to it, the ECB will choose the safety of the 100 over the Test Series. Yeah, and I'll be... And, I, and look, it's, it is... It's a hard, hard decision. It's a hard... Who makes the decision? I suppose it's Tom Tom Harrison and, and Ashley Giles is the, is the top two. So it is... It's not as easy for me to sit here and say, I think 16 players should come out and go into a bubble and say, right, we're going to take India on. I understand that. I just think it's going to be... There's... there's which way do you go is is going to be very, very difficult. And I wouldn't like to see, we we are already on the cusp of having a very, very difficult seven weeks against India with our best 11 test match players because of the way we've played in the recent past. Our one, two, three aren't performing. You know, we're not getting enough runs on the board. To, and all of a sudden, if that gets compromised and we lose three or four players because... He's in 10 days isolation because somebody's come into the 100 bubble who has not been in the, uh, in the, the, the bio bubbles before and brought it in. And we are losing a Ben Stokes. We're losing a Joe Root. Or we may lose an Anderson. We're not so much Anderson Broad because they're not in it. But all these top guys, then it is a very, very difficult situation to be in. And I, I don't envy the, the decision that, that needs to be made because we do need the money. We are desperate for the 100 to be successful. We are desperate for the money that the 100 brings and the exposure that the 100 brings because that's going to filter down. And the money that is going to come from the Test Match Series against India is going to filter down to the to the cricket clubs that are going to produce the next Joe the next Ben Stokes. But in the next five, five six weeks to get to the India Series, oh, there's going to be some fingers crossed. There's going to be some fingers crossed big, big time. And it is it is a hard decision to make. And like I said before, I don't think there's a right decision You've just got to hope. We've just got to hope and pray that you know we get a little bit of luck going into the back end of the summer. Well, this is what Ben Stokes uh, said um, about the prospect of not playing in the hundred. You know, it's 
massive event for um, for England, and we want to be part of that. Um, you know, because we know how big a role players play in making a franchise competition big. Um, and if you know the the Test players were unable to play in a competition because of COVID, you know that would be pretty devastating. That's uh, Ben Stokes obviously wants to to be a part of a, a new competition a million words have been written and spoken about the hundred um which um had the rules and regulations uh, published yesterday harmy it as i said i mean how have the ecb got themselves into this into this position how have they managed to put every last remaining chip on one number of the roulette wheel i mean it, it just it just, i don't know how they got into this position I honestly don't know, I think, but there's a lot of things that people don't understand about the constitution of the you know, the first-class game in this country. Every decision has to be made by 18 first-class county chairmen, or did have at the time. Um, and I think the only way you could get a shorter format franchise type IPL, Big Bash, all this into the English game is by having less teams. And we've come up with a situation of, I don't even think some of the, the players that are playing it know what's going to go on. The one thing I will say is, as much as I look at it and think, I'm not sure about this, I'm really not, and I'm not sure if I'm going to enjoy it, we have to give it time. We have to give it time. We said this about 2020. We did say this about 2020 all them years ago in 2003, and look at it now. It props up the global game financially. Is the 100? I personally, honestly, suspect not. I would hope that we get to three years' time and go, you know what, this works in this country franchise-wise, but we're going to play 20 overs and we go back to 2020. And if we can get that back through, then I, then I think 20 overs, 2020 cricket is working. But some of the rules that I've seen, I was like, really? You know, we're not calling over, we're calling five. And it's just, I, I'm baffled by some of those things that we see. But I'm not going to bag it too much because we haven't seen the product yet. If the product's good and the players are in tune with it, then hopefully it's going to be a success. It has to be a success. We have got no other option for it to be a success. It's a great terminology you've used there. We have put all our chips on one number and that number has to come in. And fingers crossed for the guys at the top of the ECB, fingers crossed it does because it has been cursed. We have thrown a lot of money at it and we need it, need it desperately now to work. Just you know, normally when there's a a new show, then it's used um, as as an entree. Um, it's used mm. as a support act to the yeah. main act. You know, when you come up with a new production, you don't put it center stage in the middle of summer, um, and everything else moves to one side. Anyway, let's move on before I get myself into trouble. Ben Stokes again uh, talking about the importance and the preparedness of players to, to make sacrifices in these difficult times, but also talking about players' mental health. It's one of these things where you have to make sacrifices, but, you know, at the same time, you also need to, to consider welfare as well as, you know, getting people out in the park um, because living bubble life is very, very tough. Going from hotel to cricket ground on a daily basis, um, you know, it can get to you. Um, so there is a lot that needs to be thought about, A, from a keeping everyone as safe as possible but also making sure that we are being looked after from you know from the mental side because being in bubbles is very very tough well it's not just happening in england um sri lanka's um white ball series against india was delayed by five days after a couple of positive taste uh, uh, test cases there but um harmy 
Ben, talking about players' mental health, it is a subject that is going to be around, you feel, for a year, another year or two. Yeah, and it's the, it's the knock-on effect of, of the mental health that comes with it. You see a year or a year or two, possibly I think it'd be a lot longer than that because all of a sudden you've got people, and I know this, and this is not, this is not talking, um, speculating. This is, this is fact coming from me. I sound like Rafa Benitez there. This is fact. No, this is coming from somebody who did suffer. Um, you know, my, my problem, I went to pa- never been out of the country under 19s, went to Pakistan, lasted a fortnight. I had no idea what the world was about. And I'd gone into a place where I, I didn't even know I existed. I lasted two weeks and every single time I went on tour from that point, the anxiety of getting on a plane beforehand, knowing what, how length of time I was going away and children came into the equation, marriage and children and everything came into the equation after that. But every time I went on a trip, it took me three or four days for my anxiety to go from through the roof to back to a level where I could actually start training properly and feel as I was, I was semi-human again. And I think that is something that, we are going to have to accept over the course of the next five to 10 years with some of our players, because some of these players have not experienced anything other than a biosecure bubble. Some of our players have only known airports, hotel rooms and dressing rooms. And that for some, for for the the knock on effect that that might have could be drastic to one or two. It could be harmful to one or two. And I think that is something that we need to have in our mind because it's easy sitting here. And we sit in a lot of the large population of cricket lovers will sit and criticise or have an opinion on how somebody's bad and how somebody's bowled, how teams performed. And it's not as simple as that. And I think that is something that not only do the players need educating on what is coming ahead from a, a mental health point of view, but also the general public, the wider public, look understanding the game of, of the cricketers. of saying, you know what, it, it must be difficult. It must be difficult just literally going from a hotel room to a cricket ground and then back in and not being able to switch off and you know everything drains from you. So it is going to be fascinating to see how people come out the other side of it when, if Freedom Day comes, that we are allowed to express ourselves a little bit more. It's time now to look at some of the other stories that have been making the headlines this week. Um, the county championship is uh, is heading towards... First division, second division and third division from the three conferences that we've had. Um, and there is still room, Harmy, for the great draw. Um, it, it is bizarre, you know, and it's, I still get the question when, uh, when people don't, don't uh, follow cricket. They just cannot fathom how a draw and a spectacularly dull draw can be so pleasing for the, for those of us who do who do love the game. I mean, there was a, there was a Hashim Amla was trending around the world on uh, on Twitter when he was blocking the the bejesus out of the ball um, on the fourth day against uh, Hampshire. Monumental innings um, in the end. It's, it was, and I had so many people coming up to me and they said, "Yeah, do you, do you realize how many balls Hashim Amla's faced?" And he's like. 200 and odd balls. And I was like, how many has he got? 190? 30. I was like, oh my God, I would not have liked to. I'll tell you a great story. We would, we played a game at Yorkshire and there was a, I can't remember his full name, Joe, forgetting his surname, which really annoys me now because I can't remember it. But he, 
he batted 400 balls. He got a century, he batted really well. I hit, he was like a voodoo doll. I hit him everywhere on his body, abused him everywhere because I was just this this pitch was suited not to play against Durham because we had four quick, quick bowlers. And he blocked it. And I, and I mean, he got 100 off 450 balls. And it frustrated the life out of us. And then a week later, I've heard Hoggard's walked off 2020 practice. And I was like, well, Hoggy, what's the matter? Why do you walk off for? And he said, the same guy, Joe, I forget his son. He says, first four balls, he's hit me for four sixes. And I've just turned to the coach and said, I'm not playing this game. Threw the ball about him. And he says, ring is in six weeks when we get the red ball back. So, you know, there, there are times when you play against somebody who, when they get in and they start blocking it, and especially someone like Ham, Amler, them bowlers must have been going, just, just can we not just walk off now? But it's so frustrating. But again, it showed, you know, true class will always will always come out and need, needs must. And Amla needed, sorry, needed Amla to, to hang around. And he he managed to hang around for a long time without getting too many runs. Going batted the whole day. Um, so if, um, how, how would you feel if the, the teams um, in first and second place currently, as we come towards the end of uh, the, the final round of, of group matches, not some Warwickshire at the top in, in group one, Somerset and Gloucester and Yorkshire and Lancashire are definitely going to be playing in first division. They're well clear of uh, North yeah. Ants, Glamorgan, Kent and Sussex. But, um, you know, there are some big casualties. Middlesex have had a horrible season. Um, Surrey are currently in fourth place, so they'd be in the, in the second division for the final four games. But um, Somerset, Gloucester, Notts, Warwickshire in first division? Yeah, it looks at a very, very strong, strong first division. The one that you'd, you'd say congratulations and well done to is Gloucester. We are really pleased for the guys down at Gloucester um, because they've worked hard. When you, when you see this, it just shows that if you've got a bit of patience, Richard Dawson before and Harve now, a bit of patience, a backing and belief for young players to get better in these sort of environments, you know, you'll get you'll get rewarded. James Bracey, they got rewarded. David Payne got rewarded for being in international uh, call-ups. And looks like they're going to get second place in that group, which will be in with, you know, the, the red and white rows. Test playing, you know, you're looking at now, Gloucester are going to go and play. They're going to play the, the four four big test grounds of, of, of the country when you think Warwickshire, Edgebaston, Trembridge, uh, Old Trafford and, and Headingley. Um, that's a nice reward for, for a lot of hard work that's happened down at Gloucester. So good on them. You know, fair play. For me, the team of the season so far in this, the, the, in the county championship, is definitely Gloucester because you can't say somebody's punching above their weight. They've played 10 four-year games. They deserve to be in the top division. They've got a great chance to, to go for the Bob Willis Trophy and what a story that would be. Yeah, I mean, they've won five. Yeah. They've exactly. won five games. Um, we've um, And... Right throughout their campaign, it's not been, they don't really have it with respect, they don't have um, superstars. I was going to say it has not their superstars that have been constantly producing the goods. I mean, they everybody's contributed. It's been the ultimate, ultimate team performance. It has, yeah. And they had a little wobble when Bracey went with England. They had a little wobble where they had two games where they struggled to score the runs. And then it tells you how good James Bracey's been for, for Gloucester and how important he has been at number three. You know, losing a, a, an early wicket, steady in the show. But another guy who's been very, very instrumental in that is, is, is Ryan Higgins. Somebody I think who I think has been talked about with uh, from an England, England point of view. He's got a lot of runs and a lot of wickets when it comes to 
you know, all round performance. So there have been there have been other standouts, but them two especially, I think, I think that their, their group has been built around. I think Higgins has managed to sort of match the bat, the bowlers and the batters together, and a lot's gone down the responsibility of of James Bracey, not that big run scorer but he seems to have taken the responsibility of being on the cusp of being an England player and then making his debut um, and really standing up for his county. And when you look at it, they're going to be in the top division. They're going to have a chance of going for the Bob Willis Trophy and fair play to them because they deserve they deserve to be there. Just a quick word about the blast, which is really hotting up now as we head towards quarterfinal times. Nottinghamshire have um, already secured a home quarterfinal. Uh, they're on 19 points, four clear the top of uh, the North group, Yorkshire, Worcestershire and Lancaster in uh, second, third and fourth place. But um, some teams directly below them, including Durham and Warwickshire, who are just a point off uh, Worcestershire, uh, Lancaster, sorry, in fourth place, who will be desperate, desperate to uh, to finish with a couple of wins and get into those quarterfinals. Kent had a miserable first class season, but uh, they're top of the South group. Uh, with 17 points, and I think they've also uh, guaranteed a quarterfinal yeah. place now with Sussex, Gloucestershire, and Somerset. And Surrey, perennial uh, finals day participants in fifth place at the moment, out of quarterfinal place. Gareth Batty's uh, going to be reading the riot act in that change room as they come towards their last couple of games. It's been a very good tournament, but it gets really hot now. It does get hot now and Bats will be desperate for his team to, to manage, even if it's just get to fourth place. And if they have, you know, take to get to fourth, we'll take knots on at knots, big occasion, full house or fullish house. We'll back ourselves to beat, to beat anybody. And that's what they've done in 2020, because if they don't qualify, you look at don't qualify, don't get the top division of, of, of the, the first class leg of the, of the, uh, of the season. Um, there'll be question marks asked down at the at the big county and the and the brown hat. But Durham, I've watched watched a couple of games with Durham and Durham Durham seem to be doing it the wrong way around. They can't beat anybody below them and beat everybody above them. It's just bizarre how Durham season's gone. It hurt them with his with his COVID stuff, losing Cast, losing Stokes. We would have had Stokes for a longer period. So whether Durham can regroup and get themselves back in, it's still all to play for. I think there is. There's probably five teams and five, six teams chasing three spots in the North Group, and probably four or five teams in the in the South Group. And it's hotting up nicely. And there's some there's some big teams there, big grounds there for the quarterfinals, and that excites me when you see quarterfinals played in front of fifteen thousand at a Test playing ground, and somebody comes out the pack who does well, the young player. And, and stands up and be counted. That's that's what I want to see from a, a former player. Um, and it, it's been a, another good competition. I think it's been a great competition so far. And like you said before, it's eaten up nicely. And finally, um, the West Indies, having been beaten 3-2, surprisingly, in a low-scoring T20 series by South Africa, have uh, taken their revenge out on Australia. I must say... As well as the West Indies played, and you know, great to see Chris Gale featuring again with with a quick sixty-seven in the third T20. I must say that what has struck me particularly is is not how well the West Indies have played, but how how modest Australia have looked. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing for me. I don't want to take anything away from from the West Indies, and we said in the last two weeks about what we're going to get from Pakistan. We are similar similar mindset to the West Indies. You know, if the West Indies turns up, they can go on and win it. You can beat England and beat India. You were proven that a few years ago. 
but I was really disappointed in, in Australia. And that, from an English point of view, excites me because is there something going on in the, the camp that you, you feel as though they might be going in different directions? Because, you know, there's a lot of big cricket coming up for Australia in the next six months, especially with the Ashes going down. And I know it's a different format, but success builds confidence and confidence, you know, freedom. And at this minute in time, Australia look as though they are miles away, especially in, in, in the shorter format of the game. So it's, it's another positive for our teams around the world thinking, well, if, if Australia aren't strong, you know, when, when it comes to the world tournaments, you know, because they're always seem to be there or thereabouts. It's another one off the tick list for England to, to, to sort of really, really worry about. Take nothing away. West Indies were brilliant. And like you say, the old man keeps going. If it's up, it's off. And when it was up, Chris Gale, he hit it. And what, uh, you know, that, that, say, that 60 in the, was it the third one, the third game, was a, was a, was a magnificent showcase to say that, you know, age isn't everything. You know, the guy's still got the hands, he's still got the eyes. And if you put the ball in an area where he can hit it, boy, he hits it. And like I said, I thought the West Indies were excellent. Got some fantastic, young, exciting players. Just uh, very quickly, every year, FICA, which is the Federation of International Cricketers Associations, does a survey of professional uh, cricketers um, around the country, around the world, sorry. Um, and just in the last couple of years, uh, the majority of wannabe or junior professional cricketers, uh, for the first time, have said that their main goal is to, uh, to get an IPL contract which is the way of the world, and we have to accept that. Uh, so, But it's always nice to see um, a comment like Steve Smith's, who said uh, a couple of days ago that he would be more than happy to miss the T20 World Cup if it meant that he was fit for the Ashes. Yeah, and that's what we want from our super superstars. It's easy for young players to say, right, I want to earn a million pounds in IPL. But if you are good enough to earn a million pounds in IPL, you'll be playing test match cricket because your board will tell you you're playing test match cricket. And that is what we need it to keep going. While we've got comments like that from Steve Smith, the, the way that England are led by Joe Root and his manner, Kane Williamson is a fantastic ambassador for our game. And the big one, Virat Kohli, which we've mentioned in the last few weeks, while they are sending messages around the world about test match cricket, test match cricket is still going to be the pinnacle of any young players. You, know, you can say, I'm going to get an IPL contract. But if you're good enough to get one of them, you're playing test match cricket because your board will tell you you're playing test match cricket. Because if not, you ain't playing for the you aren't playing in the IPL. Hopefully, England are going to do that in the next few weeks and not stop them, but encourage players not to go and play the second part of the IPL because we have got a huge, huge series in Australia coming up. And I think that for me is more important than any any IPL stuff if I was English. And finally, our customary mention of Alex Hales, who um, this week signed a new contract with Knotts, with, <laughs> uh, which will keep him there till 2023. Great for Knotts members. Fantastic for Knotts members. Um, like I said last week, ain't playing for England again. So he signs a big contract. He enjoys the rest of his career for me. And he should be celebrated for what he's done for Knotts and for England. Um, but I think one door's closed. The other one's just opened. To the last part of his last part of his international days, he's a fantastic player, and he's somebody who I'm sure Knots are very, very proud of. Same time, same place next week, Harmy. Have a good one. You play some golf, eh? I'm going to try. You look forward to it. See you soon, Manners. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport Two with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. 
If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can listen back to the podcast. Now available via the free TalkSport app. We'll be back, as I said, at the same time next week. This has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 